0: on the cross Lord Jesus we thank you for your willingness to suffer to bleed and to die and we come before you um, owing you everything not only did you die to pay for the penalty for our sins but you are alive and you are victor over the grave and so we are victors So we give you thanks and we give you praise. You are our King, our Lord, our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are very blessed to be here this morning with you. I am very blessed, my wife and I, again, to be with you this morning to worship our crucified and risen Savior. And uh, today we get the the wonderful privilege of celebrating together, of worshiping together as we take communion here in just a little bit. As I was preparing and as we were going through the messages and to the the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, uh, I couldn't help but think upon that word of overcome or conquer or victory, being victors. Every letter ended with, listen up, and those who overcome. And so this morning, I want to go back to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And I think it's important for us to look at the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, let's, let's digress. Well, I used a word this last week And my daughter gave me a hard time Because she says I stole it from her speech Anyway I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress Or go down a bunny trail For just a minute um, And ask how many of you Are wearing Nike shoes I see some Under Armour When I was a kid there wasn't anything Such as Under Armour was there Anyone wear Nike shoes Anyone wear those anymore <laughs> that's old school. Huh? Oh, there's one hand. Oh, there's two. What's that, John? I can't hear you. I'm too old. <laughs> that oh, you can't do it, so you don't wear them. Well, the reason I bring up Nike shoes, Nike was founded in January 24th, 1964. They named their company after the Greek goddess of victory. Nike was a word that they took and they had to make a god after. Because they wanted victory. They wanted to conquer. They wanted, even on the track, remember the Greek games, there's... There's a little amulet that they found uh, near one of the tracks that had something about victory, right? But Nike is that root word for overcome, conquer, or victor, okay? And and really, Nikao generally is the root word, but it comes from that Nike. And so it's not that goddess, but the meaning of the word is to be a victor. What a good name for a shoe, right? Nike, Victor. You know, the, the greatest goal, you know, one of the goals that people have is to have uh, the ability to do a lot like John said, but I don't put those shoes on anymore because I don't, right? Is that what you were saying? I just can't, it's not in me, right? Yeah, the Nike slogan, just do it. Oh, just do it, the slogan. All right, just do it. You can do it. And so, you know, with those shoes, the idea was if you have our shoes, you'll be able to do it, right? You'll be able to win. You'll be able to c- succeed in, in the athletics and well beyond as you grow older and quit doing athletic things. And so it, it's, it's to help you reach your goals while protecting your feet. Now, the greatest goal... That we should have is to keep our eyes on Jesus. We should keep our eyes on him because only he is the one that gives us the victory. And really, it must be noted that the victory we have in Jesus therefore must shape our lifestyles. Should shape our lifestyle. Now, how does this lifestyle play out? First it plays out in that we will or we should be rooted by genuine faith in Jesus. That is, we should have a, a lifestyle that's rooted By genuine faith in Jesus, that is, genuine faith in Jesus really means victory. And by genuine, I I mean not just, oh yeah, I believe, right? Last week we talked about the lukewarm church, just, oh, okay, I I have some sort of an assent to, but not a real genuine faith in Jesus, And unless you have a genuine faith real faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not have victory. You cannot overcome, and you have not overcome. Let's read this passage here. I did refer to it already. 1 John chapter 5. Let's start at verse 1, but 4 and 5 is a key passage because uh, in my translation it says victory that has overcome the world, right? But look at verse 1. Whoever believes, whoever has that that genuine faith that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That you're born again. You're born of God. You're in his family. And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. That is, you love one another, other believers. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. Now here in the This letter from the Apostle John to the church of Ephesus, we find that one of the commands, the new command I give to you is to love one another. That is, love other believers first and foremost. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and I love what's said next, and his commandments are not burdensome. That lifestyle in Jesus Christ, that life you live out in him is not burdensome. It isn't. Verse 4. For for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You're a victor over the world, and this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? Now remember that overcomes is the same as as Victor, the root. But But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He who has genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So really, those who've truly known or come to know Jesus as their personal Savior with that saving faith, You know that your victory is secure. You have won the victory. Know that Jesus ensured the victory. How did he do that? Well, he did the work, right? He did the work that we could not do, he died upon that cross. He rose again. He conquered the grave. Several passages that we could turn to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Started, I mean, the whole chapter. The resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Quiz. What is the resurrection, resurrection chapter? Just said it. 1 Corinthians 15. and verse 50 to 58, we see that Jesus has conquered, conquered death. The grave. He has conquered sin and he has conquered the grave. So we need to know Jesus has won us or ensured the victory. There's a statement, right? Uh, to know, K N O W, Jesus, then you know victory. K N O W, victory. If you don't know Jesus, then there is no victory. Or if you don't have Jesus, know Jesus, N-O, Jesus, there's no N-O, victory, right? So genuine faith, even faith of a mustard, the size of a mustard seed, in the Lord Jesus Christ... is what wins the victory. Genuine faith, therefore, must be in Jesus. If you have great faith in something that doesn't matter, in a false god or in religion, there is no victory. But if you have true, genuine faith, even if it's the size of the mustard seed, you have victory if it is in Jesus, that faith in Jesus What does genuine faith lead us to do? It leads us to love Jesus. And then it leads us in this passage to love one another. And genuine faith leads us to obey him. And therefore, it leads a lifestyle into a lifestyle of obedience. And it leads us into a lifestyle where we're going to obey Jesus' victorious values. And people say, well, those those commandments, the Bible, it's burdensome. It's not burdensome. It's freeing. Slavery to sin is slavery to death, and that's burdensome. But genuine faith, therefore, leads to these victorious values, and part of those victorious values is actually, hey, there's action. I'm going to do something. Because love, in some forms in the Greek, yeah, it's a noun, but it's often a verb. It's doing something. It's showing that you care. It's work. We're saved by grace, not by works, but faith leads to obedience and his commands are not burdensome. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved not by works, but to do good works. And so our lifestyle is born out of a love for Jesus and therefore born out of a love for other believers, and it leads us to the right, a right living. Overcoming or having victory over the world must be thought of, the, the world system, the value system of the world is dangerous. And so overcoming or having victory over the world is having victory over the world system and their values and and sin and how it drags people down. The world drags people away from the Lord Jesus. It drags people away from God and it drags them into slavery to sin and to death. So the victory we have in Jesus should be lived out. It should shape how we live, our lifestyle. And therefore, we have this, this heritage or this, this lifestyle that is focused on the eternal. And so, second, it plays out in our perspective and understanding of the future. I thought I'd fix that. All right, overlap a little bit. Our walk with Jesus should overlap every aspect of life. <sighs> right? You can't segregate, you cannot separate who you are, if you, are a, if you have genuine faith in Jesus. You can't separate your faith from anything else, and it shouldn't ever be separated. And I know I'm there. I struggle with it. Am I living out my faith in everything I think, say, and do? Hmm. It can be tough. And the only way for me to keep that right perspective is to focus on what really matters. And there's things here on earth that definitely matter, especially in light of eternity. And so... The things around us and and we need to be involved in, like our family life and our work life, and all of those should have elements where we're glorifying it. All of the aspects where Christ can be glorified at those moments where we have those opportunities. And everything we think, say, and do, it should bring glory to the Lord God. As God's stewards, we should be managing things, our families, our work, our lives in such a way that will bring Jesus glory and the Lord God glory because we are under shepherds. We are stewards of what he's given us. But it's hard to do that if we don't have a right focus. You know, things in this life can, you know, overshadow or meld into things and and skew our view vision our view our vision our vision and our view of what would please jesus but it should be the other way around we should have our view and our vision upon Jesus Christ and eternal things and this should overshadow this should bleed into everything. I like uh, my undershirts to stay white, but they usually don't. Because I get involved in washing my own clothes really, probably. And so if you wash them with pants, there's a, f- a, a little faint view of, of indigo or blue on them, you know? In the right light, you say, oh yeah, that's, that's really got a little blue glow to it. Our Christianity should, bring, uh, uh, should fade into everything, right? It should bleed into everything. And so we need to live our lives victoriously in the sin-filled world. And it's the exact opposite. A lot of times the world is bleeding onto us. It's so much easier to uh, dirty up what is white and pure than it is to bring that white and pureness into a dirty world. But that's what we're called to do, and we have the victory. We're saying, we can't do that. Oh, absolutely. Jesus has already won the victory. And so therefore, we need to live victoriously in this sin-filled world. We need to live live victoriously. from victory or knowing we have overcome because we have new life in this sin-filled world. Even though it's a sin-filled world, we have new life in it. We have won, but we must continue to play or fight. Right? Ephesians talks about that. It talks first in the first three chapters about our position in Jesus Christ. And then the last three chapters about how we live that out. And especially when you get to 6 verse 10, how it's a war and how we need to fight that battle. You know, there's a big difference when someone plays a ball game thinking they have already lost than when they play as though they've already won. You know, when you watch the football teams come out on the field and they're playing and the team gets a couple scores ahead, sometimes you can notice the team's playing like, hey, we're doing all right. They get loosened up and they're really playing the top of their game, but the team that gets behind, sometimes they get tensed up because they know they should be doing better, but it's not happening. Right? Have you ever seen that on a ball field? We should be living like we've already won. Because we have. It's like 49 to 0. Okay? We're winning. Or God has won the victory. And we're to play as though we're... And we are on. Not as though we are on. But we are on His side. And He is using us. You know, there's a big difference thinking your life matters and everything you do is beneficial and powerfully used for the cause, and that we have already won, than if you can never win and it's all meaningless. January, February, sometimes we get, and driving down the road, seeing all the snow and the cold this past week, it'd be like, ugh, it's another year, it's cold. And then you think of Ecclesiastes. Oh, vanity of vanities. All is vanity and grasping at the snow. I mean wind. Right? It is if you don't live from a state of knowing who you are, whose you are, and that he has won the victory. He has won it. You have the victory. So we need to highlight Or remember and focus on. Not only look about what God is going to do in the future. He's already won it. We already have an eternal life. We already know what's going to take place. We already know the beautiful aspects of the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, and the new earth. So we need to focus on that. But we also need to highlight or remember the victorious inheritance that we have. But just to push on here just a little further, I I think it's important, so I want to tie this back in, and I just love 1 John chapter 5, 4, and 5. Remember, uh, in verse 3, his commandments are not burdensome. Remember, those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born of God. And so it says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith, our faith in Faith? No, faith in Jesus. Who is the one who, is over, who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then let's jump to Revelation chapter 2 and 3 again. And let's highlight how we can celebrate the new life we have and the future life that we will have, Okay. That's part of the letters to the seven churches is that, hey, you have this new life. You have this wonderful promise of eternal life. Live out of a state of being an overcomer, a victor. Look at chapter 2, verse 7 to the letter of Ephesus, where they have, you know, their love had grown cold. They needed to renew that love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 7 says, you know, He who overcomes, you know, listen up, right? To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. It points to the future. Chapter 2, verse 11. uh, To the church of Smyrna. The overcomer will not be hurt by the second death. Eternal life. Verse 17 in chapter 2, to Pergamum. He, the overcomer, will be given the hidden manna, a white stone, new name written on a stone. Remember what we talked about. Really, it points to the wonderful inheritance and rich new life in Jesus Christ, Revelation 2, 26, and following with Thyatira and the grave problems that they had in that church. But the one who overcomes a true believer, the one with genuine faith, will be given authority with Jesus and the morning star. In chapter 3, verse 5, to the church of Sardis, the overcomer will be given white garment. Name will remain in the Lamb's book of life, and his name will be confessed before the Lord and his angels. chapter 3 verse 12 to Philadelphia they had a lot of commendation but the overcomer will be a, a pillar in the temple of my God and have permanence and have the the name of my God and the new Jerusalem written on him there's some permanence there and it's fascinating when you look at the their their historical context what they were dealing with a lot of these pictures that he brings out from the vision of Jesus points to the reality that of what they have in Christ as victors because of their genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 21 of chapter 3, Laodicea, the overcomer will sit down on Jesus' throne with him. I think it's very important as a believer that we focus on our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it's very important for us to listen to what he has to say in his word it's crucial that we obey him. But that should come out of our love for him. Because his commandments are not burdensome. Note Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Would you jump all the way to the back? Some of these here, as he summed up each letter to the seven churches, you know, listen up, you're the one who overcomes. There's some pictures back to chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea and I saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain the first things have passed away and he who sits on the throne said behold i am making all things new and he said right for these words are faithful and true then he said to me it is done i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end i will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost he who overcomes will inherit these things And I will be his God, and he will be my son. 1 John chapter 5, those born of God. The victory we have in Jesus must shape our whole being, our lifestyle. Are you affected by the victory that you have in Jesus? Do you live from the victory from that victory or from defeat? Do you live as though your life matters? As we sing these next couple of songs, I want you to evaluate where are you living from? Are you living from an attitude or a lifestyle of defeat or an attitude or lifestyle of victory where you love Jesus and you're willing to do everything and anything He asks you to do. As they come forward, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful grace towards us. Help us to have the right mindset. And as we sing these songs, Lord, uh, convict us of, of the wrong thinking, convict us of wrong actions that we've been taking, and help us to have a repentant heart. Thank you for the victory that you've given us, Lord Jesus. Amen.
1: Would you please stand
2: with us? Second
1: Song we want to sing before we do communion is one that we've sung before. We're gonna put this way. It's one that will be up here, um, and so when you catch on, just start singing it. Um, Sandy will get it up there. It's the communion song. Okay.
0: We you pray for the bread? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you uh, for the sacrifice of Jesus' body as we uh, take this bread and we um, think of what that means for us that we can accept uh, that sacrifice to cover us. And um, so we just say thank you and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Lord, we do pray that you would um, not only forgive us of our sins as we know you do, but the sins of our nation. Lord, we ask for your conviction and help us to be fully aware of our need for you every day. We ask that you'd bless us to our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together. Father God, we thank you for the sacrifice of Christ, Lord. We thank you for his atoning blood that washes sins away, Lord. We ask that you would just uh, bless us through that, that blood that uh, flows in our place. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Lord, again, we come before you. We thank you for the new covenant you brought us into, Lord Jesus, and through the the shedding of your blood upon the cross and and the ability to have our sins removed, that we could be made whiter than snow. Lord, you've brought us into one family, one body, your extension upon this earth um, to reach people and help us to effectively do that. Uh, to not only reach people, but to declare your glory in all that we think, say, and do, Lord. Help us to be effective. Thank you for your shed blood, your work upon the cross. Bless this cup as we take it together. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink it together. Praise the Lord for all that He has done. He is coming again. He died on the cross and He's coming again. So we can sing great praises to Him. So, I want to sing Amazing Grace. Is that okay? And uh, then we'll have the young men come forward for this morning's offering. And we give our offering the first Sunday of the month to our missionaries that we support. So I ask you to continue to... to Pray for our missionaries and be aware of, of what they're doing. I send out emails. We have, like me, I once was lost, but now I am found. T'was blind, but now I see. Young men,
2: would you come forward